Being perfect and polished is not what creates profits with speaking. People want real, raw, regular people who've made mistakes, who can get up on a stage and show they're a human being, not get up on stage and be so perfect and polished. They can't, they, they can't even relate to them. And I think gone are the days that we want superhuman uh, speakers. I think these are the days that we want real, raw, regular people doing extraordinary things so that they can look at you and say, if she can do that or if he can do that, I can do that too. It's a 30-minute hour Where you grow into your power Welcome to the 30-minute hour. It's the personal development podcast for entrepreneurs. We're looking to level up and become unstoppable. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. My co-host, Ted Fells, you know him, the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire an all-around good guy is in a meeting. I mean, think about it. He, he's a super CEO. And from time to time, super CEOs have meetings. So he is in, the, in a meeting but hopes to join us shortly, and we will certainly welcome him in to this lively conversation we're about to have. We're going to talk about how to make six figures in 12 months as a speaker. You know, a lot of, there's a, I just see in businesses with entrepreneurs, leveraging speaking can, is like a hidden opportunity that a lot of people miss. And our guest today, she's done it and she's going to talk about how you can do it as well. And she may give some tips on overcoming that fear that we all struggle with from time to time when it comes to getting out in front of people and talking. Uh, but please know. And I, and I warned our guest, she said she was game, but this is not your everyday podcast. <laughs> That's right. We do things a little differently here on the 30 minute hour. You, and we've got people watching us live. You can watch us on Facebook, on LinkedIn and on YouTube uh, by going in and typing the 30 minute hour into the search bar and there you'll find us. And then later you can actually go back and listen to this episode, which gets recorded. It'll be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any of those other places where you like to listen to the content. So again, we're here today. We're gonna to talk about how to make six figures in 12 months as a speaker. So I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our guest for the moment. And she has the distinction of going from making $30,000 a year in London to making multiple six figures within a two year time span. Uh, and, and she now shares with her clients how to do this in 12 months, how to do this in half the time. Uh, she shows coaches, business leaders, and service-based entrepreneurs how to build a top tier income from speaking, and she's become a sought after authority worldwide. I mean, she does retreats all over the place from Paris, New York, Valencia, Dublin, all over the place. Please join me in welcoming to the 30 Minute Hour podcast, Moira Nigalaher. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Great intro. Thank you so much, Eric. <laughs> Thank you. I, hopefully I didn't butcher your name. Hopefully I did okay there. You did so good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But it, it's truly an honor not to have you on. And when I saw, we, we talked a while back and I, 
I saw what your specialty is. I, I got excited from the beginning because I just think this is an opportunity um, that people can leverage to get to that next level. And obviously you've done that. So I want to give people the, the complete backdrop of how you've gotten to this point. So I'm just curious to know when you were at the University of Bolton, mm. like what were your plans for your career at that time? Mm. Well, it certainly wasn't making six figures in a year from speaking or six figures even in a day from speaking, because that's also possible. Absolutely was not that. You know, I like I barely I got into university by the skin of my teeth because I was not interested in school. So I was very lucky to even make it to university. I, I talked my way into that university, actually, when I think back on it. But like, really, I've always been interested in people. I've always been interested in why people do certain things. So I did psychology, criminology, sociology when I was at university. And I've always been, in, I was very much interested in young people at that time. So I really wanted to make a difference in young people's lives. I think growing up that it was it was difficult, like it, ha it was for everybody, but I just wanted to help young people understand that they can make a contribution to the world and they don't have to be special or wildly talented or anything. So that was really my focus back then. And I think when I got my first job at a university working with young people, like looking back now, I was coaching young people and then it, it turned out that I ended up coaching adults. So I think that the two pieces really do fit together. It's just that it wasn't clear to me when I started out where I was going to end up like it isn't for most people. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times people feel bad because they don't have it all mapped out at an early age, but like most of like when we asked this question on the show, most people didn't know they'd be doing what they're doing now. Um, so that, that's pretty interesting. Before we get to the next question, I definitely want to welcome the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy Ted Fells to the show. Welcome, Ted. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I apologize for my tardiness. I had a another meeting that ran a bit over, so I apologize. I know I just missed some good nuggets. I got to catch up. You missed some boulders here. They're just <laughs> dropping. But now, Ted, we, we, we told everybody in the audience that, you know, from time to time when you're a super CEO, you have meetings, right? That's what, super <laughs> well, that's what, you, that's what we do. We have meetings. That's right. <laughs> but now, so, so we're here. We're talking to our guest, Moira, and she, she mentioned that she really wasn't clear that she'd be doing what she's doing now. So, mm -hmm. so I'm just curious. If you could go back and talk to that version of yourself, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself? Well, I want to say that growing up, the two words that Moira heard the most was shut up, stop talking. You've said enough now, get out of the classroom. Like literally I spent most of my classroom years standing in the corridor because I was always in trouble for speaking. And I remember one teacher who did not like me because I was always in trouble. But he he stopped in the corridor one day and looked at me and he said, you know, Moira, you're never going to make anything of your life if all you want to do is talk. And, you know, I chuckle to myself driving by my old school now, my dream car, and on my way to do a speaking gig or something going, <laughs> I was literally shamed for the thing that came easiest to me, the thing I wanted to do the most. So what I would say to my younger self, just because you're they're shaming you for it, doesn't mean that you can't do it because mm. I think that the thing that we feel most shame over is the thing that can make us rich. Mm. Wow. I'm sorry. That, that, that was, for, you gotta say that, say that again, Moira, for the people in the back. I think the thing we felt the most shame over is the thing that we, that can actually make us rich. Absolutely. Oh man. Mm. 
Yeah, hopefully somebody <laughs> was writing that down. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so, I've heard it. I've yeah. heard it said another way. Wait, well, you should really lean into the thing that you feel disqualifies you, whatever yeah, you totally. feel it is. And also, like, I, I, I thought I was like cursed in some way because all I wanted to do was talk and I was all because I was always in trouble. But obviously, you know, it wasn't a curse. It was actually a gift. It was the thing that came easiest to me, you know, and I think that there's a lot of people out there, a lot of entrepreneurs who, who need to hear that because it's what comes easiest to us is what we should charge the most for. We've all heard that. And that can be the thing that's staring us right in the face, but we're avoiding it because we feel bad over it. Mm -hmm. no, I, I think that's a great point. So, so I, I'm curious. Okay. So I did, did my homework. I, I was looking up your story. I saw that you, at one point, you're this youth worker in London. You're making 30K a year. How do you go from that to pivoting to what you're doing now? Like, what did that pivot look like? What, what inspires you to go in that direction? Yeah, you know, I had been in the job and living in London for six years. It was the rat race. But if you were looking at my Facebook feed, you'd think Moira has it going on. It's all going off. There was parties, fashion shows, city breaks, all the things. But around about my 36th birthday, I had a wall because I was just like, all of a sudden, nothing in my life made sense to me. I didn't want to go to the job that I was in. I didn't want to do the things that I wanted to do. I just felt like there was more, but I, I just didn't know what it was. So I did what every girl would do in my situation, guys. Myself off to Paris weekend with my journal. And I was like, I'm going to come up with some decisions here. I'm going to change my life. And while I was there, I was sitting in this little cafe in Montmartre. Everybody knows this beautiful place. And um, my phone rang and any other day that my phone would ring and it would be my parents, I wouldn't think anything of it. But there was something the way the word home came up on my phone that day that I literally had this feeling of peace wash over me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to go home. And like to put it in perspective, I was looking at Japan, Dubai, Brussels. I left home when I was 18. This was me at 36 years old. I live in a tiny corner of Ireland beside a mountain, like next to the beach. There's nothing here. So it made no logical sense that I would want to go home. But I followed my heart. I moved back home. And that's when I realized that I had there was an entrepreneurial spirit there because the first thing I did was I noticed how businesses were closing all around me in this small, beautiful village. But it, for me, it was the most beautiful place on the earth. We had mountains, we had beaches, we had culture, but we had no tourists. So the first business I started was a travel business to solve the problem in my local area and bring more uh, visitors to help the community there and I did that for two years and brought over a thousand people to the um, to this tiny corner of Ireland who never would have got to visit here and it was on it was in the newspapers it was a documentary done about it all the things and it was that it was then that's what really started my um, entrepreneurial journey but looking back now I didn't know that that day that I was sitting in that coffee shop in Paris and I had that moment a calling whatever you want to call it but my mom passed away five years later and only because I made the decision and heard that and actually decided to move home that I got to spend the last five years of my mom's life living with her back here in Ireland. And she got to see me be really happy and make a difference and start a business. So for me, yes, you could say it was about leaving your job and you, 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 you thought of something else to do, but really something more than that was calling me home. And I'm just so glad that I listened to it. So if your listeners are feeling something calling to you right now, don't assume that it's the obvious thing, but if it's calling you hard, listen and do it because you just don't know, because that's going to happen to all of us at some point. Man, that's incredible. I mean, like one of the things for me, like I try to pay attention to if I, if I don't have peace moving in a certain direction, I, I think that's, 
from my experience, when you keep going, bad things happen. Yeah, I think you have to listen mm-hmm. to that, you know, internal gauge that you have because it's usually your gut trying to tell you to to move in another direction. So, okay, so so you went back home and then you just started speaking and everybody yes. just had a happy ending. Well, yeah. I didn't start speaking straight away. I just I want to be I want to be like tell people exactly what happened. But okay. um when I when I started the travel business, I quickly realized that this wasn't a soul calling as you call it, it wasn't purpose. I just felt I could make a difference and I did. And then when I took a step back and started asking like you know, how can I actually make money from this? Because it wasn't making me money. It was never about the money. I just wanted to help. Um, Then I started to realize that the people that were coming and asking me for help, they were always asking me for sales advice, for marketing advice. How did you get those clients? How did you get that piece in the newspaper? All of this. And I was like, hmm. So instead of me going out and getting these customers, I could teach these people how to get their own customers. So I switched my business around and started coaching the same businesses on how to get their own customers. And then one day I was driving home from a networking event. And at the time I was having to drive like four and five hours to go to a networking event to connect with other entrepreneurs. I knew there had to be a faster way. So I'm driving home one evening and I see a big sign at the side of the road saying local business conference, authors, entrepreneurs, speakers. And I instantly thought, I was like, I need to be one of the speakers at that event. So I drove to the office of the organizers that day, put my hand, shaking hand on the office door, opened the door and I gave my pitch. I was like, I need to be on your stage. I've done this. This is who I am. And he said, he was like, you know what? I think you're right. I've been following you on Facebook. We do need somebody with your voice and message on our stage. And I was like, oh, okay. So I literally walked out of the door and had another meltdown because then I was just like, what am I going to (laughs) say? And, you know, you said, Eric, at the beginning about preparing, I was like, I had two weeks to prepare something. I didn't even know what I was going to do, but I had the opportunity. And two weeks later, I got on that stage. I did an okay job. I think my hand was shaking so badly because I was somebody who was afraid of speaking. I had to hold the microphone next to my chin to stop my hand going like this. And after I come off the stage that day, I had two people approach me and say, I've never heard anybody talk about business and sales in that way. Are you taking on clients? I was like, yes, of course. But another thing really amazing happened that day. An event planner who was in a very small audience came up to me at the end and says, I love your story. I love what you did today. I host a national event every year and I want you to be one of our speakers next year. And that was literally the start of my speaking journey. So it was no elegant transition. I just stumbled upon everything and said yes all the way. Stumbled on everything and, and said yes uh, all the way. So, so just just curious, why should the the entrepreneur that's watching this now, why should they consider public speaking a, as an opportunity? Okay, so if we public speaking, yes, but speaking in general, I think that speaking spills into every single part of your business. And you can call yourself a public speaker, a keynote speaker, whatever speaker you want. But here's the thing. Business is made up of videos, of Facebook lives, of interviews, of training sessions, of going to events. It's all speaking. And business leaders need to understand that everything is speaking. So they're probably speaking already, but they're not taking on the identity of a speaker. And I think that's the key because even event-based text platforms nowadays, they're moving away from um, 
just text to more audio and speaking even reels is all about speaking now and unless you're like you know uh, an amazing copywriter like and you, you can communicate that way speaking is going to be the main thing you can do so i think that business leaders need to take on the identity because if you are a leader leaders speak how else are you going to get your message out there into the world and business leaders have a big mission in the world and there's no faster way for them to get it out there than through speaking but i would say i wouldn't overthink um, the speaking term, like you're probably speaking already, but just start taking on the identity that you are a speaker and don't try and define it as a public speaker, keynote speaker, or any type of speaker. You are a speaker because you're a leader. That's what I would say to that. Oh, we've lost Eric. It's just me and you, Ted. Right. About to get real interesting now. In our history of doing this, this has probably happened like maybe like twice no more than three times where this happens and it's kind of like okay we just gotta kind of roll with it kind of roll with it so so again um yeah just you know when i when i'm listening to you and you're talking about speaking right and, you know and as a you know as a, a entrepreneur ceo it's like you know we are always speaking you know i just finished having a kind of a discussion with my team about some uh, you know, how we're going to go into 2023. And one of the things that uh, that we've talked about, Eric and I, is a, a whole thing around kind of getting a running start, not waiting till 2023 to start something, but now getting a running start going into 2023. And that was kind mm. of the, the discussion that I, I was just having with my team. And, and you know, and I, you know, and, and I don't necessarily think of myself as I'm a public speaker, but I'm public speaking all the time, you know, to my, you know, to my team and, and others and partners. And so you just kind of get comfortable, you know, you know, with it. Now, one of the things that, you know, I, I know I, I don't necessarily do a whole lot of preparation to speak, right? I just kind of go in it and kind of just, you know, I'm probably just the Eric and I, I think that's why we're, we're such a good partnership is because I'm kind of just the opposite. Right, like Eric, like Eric's the one that plans it out. He's researching, pulled the pieces together, and then he tells me like, right before, okay, this is what we're talking about. And I'm like, okay, right, and I just go in there and just kind of go with the, go with the flow. But it it works. I think there's all type of, you know, uh, approaches to public speaking. Right, yeah. I think we all kind of do it differently, you know. But I guess what it really comes down to is the effectiveness of it, you know, are you able to get your, your message through clearly and, you know, those uh, in your audience are able to, to receive it. You know, when the pandemic broke out, I remember listening to Dr. Les Brown talking about it and he was like, there is no public speaking anymore because mm -hmm. we're just at home in our offices with a little tiny hole in our camera. So it's like even saying that you're afraid of public speaking or public speaking, it has trans it has, it has evolved so much that, you know, it's not even, like, public speaking just seems a term of like a day long ago, you know, it's just speaking now and you can't really have the same fear of public speaking when you're in a room on your own and just like a hole to talk to, there is no public there, you know? So I thought it was really an interesting take on it by Les, as always, he's always dropping gold, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. For absolutely. Sure. There's a reason that he is where he is, that's for sure. So, <laughs> so one of the things we were talking about backstage is like, one of the things I did especially when I was first starting out to get over the fear of public speaking, I just over-prepared. Like I, I just prepared to the point where I knew that, you know what, I've done everything possible to be ready. So 
what's going to happen is what's going to happen. So, so what are your, what's your take on preparation and help that, that helping to overcome fears, the fear of speaking? Yeah, I could, I could talk all day about this, Eric, to be honest, but, um, what I, what I would say to people is I think that we can over overthink it in terms of the number of people. And I think if you bring it down to not speaking to the world, but speaking to your world, just your world, the people in your community or the people in, in an event. And often when people are starting out as speakers, they're speaking to groups of 10 and 20, 30 people. And we can think about it in terms of my world versus the world. I think it takes a lot of the fear out of it. And also, if you're making it all about you, of course, you're going to be afraid of it. So take the attention off you and just think of one person who's going to be on that, in that room. And how do you want to make them feel? How do you want them to feel after they hear you speak? What do you want them to say about what you just said on stage? Or how do you want them to walk out of the door feeling? And if people can switch their attention from, from them to the other person, then it just kills any fear and it makes it more about coming from a place of service. And I think every entrepreneur at the, at the harder things want to come from a place of service so don't make it about you make it about the, somebody that's in the up uh, in the audience and you won't feel as much fear you'll feel more conviction to do the best job that you can now that that's a great point uh, there's a saying out there that says that you'll, you'll never be nervous if your heart's on service mm. if you really look into to help the other person in the audience then it's mm. really you're not going to be as nervous if you're thinking about Oh man, how am I going to get this next next engagement? How am I going to? It's something that um, strikes me as curious, and, and you can maybe shed light on this. I, there's a few speakers that I know. That I have, I've been involved with the National Speakers Association. That like when they started, they didn't have any fancy marketing. They didn't have a fancy website. They literally built their business one speech at a time. But they just went somewhere. They went and spoke for Ted, and Ted said, "Hey, great. You know what? I know this other thing." I'm going to book you on it. And then it goes to the other thing. And they've got a million people that follow them building it that way. Yeah. We, we shed some light on how that happens for some people. And other people can market and <laughs> market all day and not get opportunities. Mm, absolutely. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about that, actually. I was in New York. I was actually speaking on the same stage as Les Brown to say, yeah. um, to say one of the speakers that were there. And I had forgot the USB for my presentation this day. And I was in a panic before I was going to get on stage. So I ran outside, got my phone out and called Uber. Everybody knows Uber, right? So I'm standing curbside, midtown Manhattan, waiting for this car to pull up. And then I see this really beat out Honda pulling up on the curb. And I was just like, oh my God, that's not my car, is it? And then I looked at the thing and it was, and I was like, oh my gosh, nothing. It was so, it was so rickety. There was a, a tin can coming off the back of it would have probably improved it. It was so bad. But anyway, I get into the Uber. The driver is so nice, chatting away. Like, where are you from? What are you doing here? All the things. And I'm like, hurry up, hurry up. I need to get where I'm going. So then we we stop outside a uh, hotel and um, I said, thank you so much. Goodbye. And the Uber driver said, oh, excuse me, ma'am. And I said, yeah. He goes, can you give me a five-star rating for this ride today? And I was like, a five-star rating? Are you kidding me? Mm. And he was like, yeah. He was like, did I not take you where you wanted to go? And I was like, yeah, you did. So I got in my car and I gave the guy a five-star rating. Why did I do that? Yeah. I did it because he asked for it. And here's the thing about speaking. You don't have to be a five-star speaker to get booked to speak. You just need to be able to ask. And if every time somebody got into that Uber driver's car to, um, to get a ride with him, he asked every single person for 
a five-star rating. He was driving around with a 5.5 average and a, and a beat-out Honda car because he wasn't a five-star ride, but he was five-star asking. And that's what I would say to any entrepreneur who wants to use speaking. You don't need to be a five-star speaker, but get five-star at asking for the gigs and you will become a five-star speaker. That's what I would say to that. And that's literally what happened to me. I got invited to speak at a small event. Then I did that event. Then I asked at the event, is there any other stages you think I could speak on? And nearly every single stage led to a stage and sometimes led to five and six stages. So, you know, we opened this up saying that you could make six figures in 12 months. You could make six figures from asking one person for a gig mm -hmm. because that one gig could lead you to your six figures, your multiple six figures, your million dollars. You don't know. That's what I would say to that. So I'm hearing you correctly. It sounds like we need to get good at asking. <laughs> yes. And that's like one of the most... I would say that's probably the last thing people think about preparing for when they think about being speaking or doing speaking. They're like at home preparing their presentations and all of that is really good. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of preparation, but preparation is nothing without implementation. And you don't, and being perfect and polished is not what creates profits with speaking. People want real, raw, regular people who've made mistakes, who can get up on a stage and show they're a human being, not get up on stage and be so perfect and polished. They can't, they, they can't even relate to them. And I think gone are the days that we want superhuman uh, speakers. I think these are the days that we want real, raw, regular people doing extraordinary things so that they can look at you and say, if she can do that, or if he can do that, I can do that too. I think that's I think that's the key. If you look at a lot of these people on social media and a lot of them are, are real and raw and, and mm -hmm. people are relating to them. That's someone that they know. That's someone that, you know, may have the same level of education or less education than they do. And they yeah. feel like, okay, yeah, I, I can really connect with this person. I can really relate to this person. This person is not using a bunch of fancy words and things that they don't understand or just talking to me like they're talking to someone that they just met at the coffee shop. Exactly. That's, that's very important to, to be, you know. Exactly. Clear. And I, I read an article about all of the president or all of the presidents in the last few years or in the last 10 years in America, and they give a grade to the speeches and it was the, the great, the speaker, the, presidents that did the best were the ones that had like a, a fifth grade language and the mm. ones that did worse were the ones who had the language that was way higher so real raw regular people couldn't understand what they were saying so third to fifth grade language all the way and that's what marketing is and the mm. problem is people like stay up all night coming up with these convoluted clever jargon sentences to make them sound like cooler and more intelligent than they are and they think that that's going to attract clients but that is actually what repels clients from them and you know one thing i notice a lot of times when it's a use these big words people are usually they usually don't want to ask you what does it mean right right so they just kind of listen and they probably did not get what you thought they were getting with that fancy word that you use when you could have just said something really simple plain and concise to them and you missed that opportunity and they just sat there and they shook their head and did not understand what you were trying to to relate. No, no. and I, th I think you can actually have fun with that. Like, I think it's good to show that you have a good command of the English language and you use words, but I also think it's really good to share with people what those words actually mean. mean. Give yeah. them a definition. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, like like bring them into the learning and so that they can walk away even go, maybe they'll use that word in a presentation, but at least tell them what you're talking about. <laughs> I just I, Look, I just discovered that word last week. 
Y'all know what it means, right? I mean, people will really appreciate that. Yeah, totally, absolutely. That's how you have that's how you have fun with speaking. So it is, and you know, like go back to what we were just saying right now. It's not it's not that people need a million talks and twenty five topics or things like that. I had one talk. And I use that one talk for up to three years, but I changed the audience every single time. I didn't change mm -hmm. who I was. I just got better at what I was doing. I had more stories to tell. I had more client success stories to tell, but you don't need a million topics. You need be good at one and then just change the audience. You need to have a powerful message for one, one signature talk, one signature offer, and then be able to share your story in a way that connects with people. And I think that people people overlook that because it's like, oh, that sounds so simple. And as Jim Rohn would say, what's simple not, so what seems so simple is also simple not to do. So people are thinking that this needs to be more complicated than it is, and it isn't. So in terms of the math of this, and I know your people are going to be wondering like, but how do you make six figures from speaking? Like, you're still not telling me how you do that. Well, here's a very simple math equation for you all. Let's say that you're a business leader and you have a 10K off. Let's say that you speak in front of 20 people and you get two clients. And that means that you just create 20K in revenue. If you want to cross the six figure mark, do that five times. You can do that in five weeks. You can do that in five months. You could even do that in five hours in the world. That's how you get six figures from speaking. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that the math doesn't lie. And then when you're speaking, you're seen as the authority on that topic. Absolutely. You're instantly an expert because you're the person that starts standing in front of the room with the microphone. And that I think that really that's that's what I think accelerates people's belief in themselves and gets them to stand like to really like take themselves to another level super quick. And that can be an overnight thing, because if you know that you have to stand up in front of a room of like 30 or 50 people, it forces you to break through like what's holding you back and show up as an expert. And it 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 I think speaking does something for somebody's confidence that could take years of reading books or doing online courses and things like that. You stand up in front of a room and you deliver a good presentation and you have somebody come up to you at the end and say, thank you so much. You have changed my life today. That's what's going to really accelerate your sex success and your mindset and how you see yourself. Now, I mean, these are all great points. And one of the things we used to say kind of goes back to what we were just talking about a little earlier the last thing you, you don't want the people in the audience to think that you're special, right? They think you're special. It means, oh, well, yeah, it's easy for her. She's just a natural, you know? Yeah, I, I can't do that. So the, the way you connect is like we were saying to be vulnerable. And, and I, like I, one of the things I, I would try to tell stories about, you know, failures, shortcomings, things that mm -hmm. people in the audience are struggling with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh. I totally agree with that. Yep. All, all critical points. So I, I'm sure you, you have some success stories of people that maybe they, when they started, they were scared of the idea of speaking in public, but now they're making multiple six figures from this uh, opportunity. What's one of your most memorable success stories that you want to share? Um, I think the one that stands out in my mind the most is a client of mine, Susan, she was a marketing strategist. And when uh, she came to work with me, she was totally tapped out on selling her time for money. And she had no one way of bringing clients in fast enough. And when we really worked out how much she was getting an hour, she was getting about 20 to $40 an hour because she was working so much for the clients that she had. 
So we changed her offer. We positioned her as a specialist in her field, created a signature talk for her. And then she found a chamber event and she had 12 people show up to that chamber event and she closed 15,000 sales that later doubled because people renewed with her. And then she was she was like, so if I just do this three times, I've crossed the six figure mark. And I was like, exactly. And I share her story because she wasn't a speaker. She was a typical behind the scenes person working away for other people and their businesses, working her fingers to the bone, basically. But then when I showed her how she was missing, what she was missing and how she was positioning herself, she went from working 40 hours for a client to working four hours for a client and charging almost 40 times more. Wow. That, that's I know. It's story. so great. So I'm curious. So if, when you start working with someone, kind of walk me through this. Do you, is it really from a business perspective of how to leverage it, how to ask, or do you also get into the mechanics of, you know, how to stand, you know, it's just some of the technical aspects of public uh, of speaking of any kind? Yeah. So, um, every, every, in my, um, in my mastermind, we do two retreats a year and I would save the presenting and the skill, the mechanical skills for when we're all together in a group. But in the meantime, we're working, I'm working with people and getting a really powerful message together, a high ticket offer, a signature talk that converts, and then be able to close high ticket sales on the back end. Those are the four key pieces and obviously how to share your story from stage. And then we save the more mechanical presenting things when we're together in. I literally just hosted a two-day retreat in Morocco, Ted. It was the most amazing retreat I've ever hosted. An amazing group of business leaders came from all over the world, from Florida to um, Africa to London, Ireland, Germany. It was incredible. And they all stood up and presented for the group because I don't think nothing stretches you faster and quicker than standing up in front of your peers to present as opposed to an audience that know you. So I save that for when we come together as a group and that's when they really hone their skills as presenters. So just, just to kind of summarize, I, I may have missed your answer as far as, you know, if you're working with someone, you're working with both the mechanics of speaking and the business side of it as well, or how are you doing that? Yeah, I was just sharing with um, Ted that I share the more presenting skills to when we get together okay. in person, because I think that nothing stretches you more than standing in front of your peers to present as opposed to an uh, audience of strangers. Absolutely. And then in the, in the run up to that, we're working on crafting a powerful message that converts a signature talk that you can take all over the world, a high ticket offer, and then being able to close sales on the back end, as well as being able to share your personal story. So those are the things that we're working on on an ongoing basis. And then we in an international location to dive deeper into the presenting skills. Hmm. That's awesome. So, so definitely people need to, they're trying to take their speaking game to the next level. They just need to give you a call because you can really help them to get there. So you have this monthly training. It's called the dial in your destiny challenge. Can you talk about that? What, what will people take away from this monthly training when they attend? For sure. Well, first of all, the word destiny came into it when I realized after 45 years on this planet that Moira means destiny. I can't believe I've got through my whole life <laughs> without realizing that. So I brought that in, obviously, to my brand then last year, because here's what I believe. I think that there's a business that we're all that we all have. But there's also a business that you're meant to have. And I call this a destiny-driven business. And that's just that's not just a cookie-cutter style business. That's a business that fulfills you, not just your impact goals, but your personal and lifestyle goals as well. Because I believe that business and entrepreneurship was actually created 
so we could fulfill on our destinies as entrepreneurs and as change makers. And I think that many of us, all of us were destined for way more than we even know and we're playing small. But when you start dialing in your destiny with your business and with speaking, then it starts to uncover a much deeper level to possibility and what you're capable of as a human being and even as an entrepreneur. And this training, the Dial in Your Destiny Challenge, is designed to help you create that destiny-driven business using speaking as your main strategy. And that's where I walk people through my entire framework for getting consistent, qualified leads and long-term revenue from speaking. So you can fill your business with programs, speak on stages worldwide. Even if you've been struggling for a long time, I've worked with people who've never spoken, just like Susan, and they've just been able to solve their leads problem and their high-ticket offer problem very, very quickly. So that's what's in store for Eddie. But, you know, this this is not training about information. This is a training about true transformation. Mm. Wow. Training for transformation. I need to check that training out, man. That, that idea of a destiny business, uh, I, I think is totally true. You'd be awesome. so welcome. All right. So, so we're, we're at the part of the show. Uh, it's called write this down. And this is where we each go around and we, we each give a key takeaway from this episode that we want uh, people to write down so they can level up. Uh, so, so Moira, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, what's something that people should write down from today's episode? I think you should write down that nobody wants perfect and polished and perfect and polished does not create profits. Hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. Perfect and polished does not create profits. That's a great point. People need to write that down. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. All right, Ted. I don't know how to follow that. That's a tough one, right? And but you know, it's kind of in that in that same vein. I mean, I think it's a thing of, you know, you know, whether you 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 have the top education and training and experience, I mean, you can be, you know, a public speaker, right? That's something that you can pick up and, and it doesn't matter, you know, the age or anything. I think that you can, you can jump in there and, 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 you know, and then with practice, right. You get to a point where you'll, you'll, you'll get better at it. You'll get more comfortable at it. You'll find ways to be able to tell your story. Cause that's really what it's all about, right. Being able to tell your story to, to your audience and, and for them to get it. And, you know, there's, you know, there's no, you know, one way to tell your story. It's your story, right? So if you're sharing your story, you know, and it's uh, in its rawest form, and people are able to, you know, receive it and, and get something from it, then, you know, then you're you're already there. So, yeah, I just think that that's something that you can that just anyone can jump in and and do it. And that, and I do think that these um, these social media platforms and live platforms has really helped people, you know, because I think they said like one of the, you know, the, the biggest fears of people is like public speaking, but then you wouldn't think that with public with, uh, you know, with uh, social media and live platforms on smartphones, people do it all and do it all the time, okay. and, you know, and so why not you? Why not you? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, take advantage of the opportunity. I mean, the technology certainly makes things more available. So my write this down, uh, it has to do with 
some of my frustrations when you look at social media it's like everybody is showing they're putting their best foot forward right every every kid is on the honor roll everybody's got a new car everybody's got a new house everybody's got the perfect relationship and i think one of the things that can help you to stand out we've talked about it here is leaning into those things that you feel disqualify you and mm-hmm. we, we talked about it at the beginning and so pay attention to to those vulnerabilities because that's really what's going to make your story unique because the other mm-hmm. thing is you know i've talked to people all the time to say well you know what what makes me different there's a thousand speakers no one on the planet has your exact story mm-hmm. you know, no one has has gone through that struggle that challenge and come out on the other side like you have so so i just think we have to really lean into our vulnerabilities and lean into those things we feel that may disqualify us. If we want to be an effective speaker and actually use speaking um, to take things to the next level, hmm. write that down. <laughs> and Maura, definitely want to thank you for all the things that you shared. And I am curious to know before we get to how people can connect with you, like what's next on the horizon for you? Um, well, my goal is to create a million dollars in a day in the next 12 months so that mm. I can invite people here to a retreat space that I'm building here in Ireland and show them how to do a million dollar in a day plan with me. That's my goal. <laughs> a million dollars in a day. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we, we congratulate you in advance for accomplishing <laughs> that goal. because we, we know it's already done just based right. off of the focus and energy that you have. Yeah. So how can the people connect with you? to work with you, get more information. Yeah, I mean, coming to one of my monthly trainings is where we'll get to know each other, but obviously I'm on Instagram and Facebook. And if anybody is watching and they want um, a resource that could help fast track their success with speaking, I have created the Successful Speaker Checklist. And that's really 12 steps to slash your learning curve and enroll high ticket clients with speaking. So it's really beat for beat of what you need. So if anybody's listening and you're tempted by this or you're thinking you could really do with some more insights with speaking to make more money or to have more impact, this checklist is really going to open your eyes. So if we could put that in the show notes for your guest, I would love to be able to offer that to everybody as a complimentary resource. Absolutely. Be on the lookout for that checklist. We will certainly put it on the, uh, put it in the show notes so people can access it. So again, thank you for sharing everything that you shared. And speaking of sharing, don't forget to share the show. That's right. Don't keep this great information a secret that can take you to that next level and get you multiple six figures within a year. Share the show. All right, and don't forget, you can access us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and, and all those good places that you like to consume content. Uh, this has been another amazing episode of the 30-Minute Hour Podcast. Wow. It's gone. All the, way, all the way from Ireland, right? That's right. That's right. Wow. So now what time is it in Ireland? Almost 10 p.m. Ted. Amazing. Look at this. Look at this. 10 p.m. sacrifice in here for our audience. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yep. Thank you for making the time and sharing what you shared. And until next time, have a great day.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. We need your help to grow the show. One of the best ways that you can help us is by leaving both a rating and a review. You can go to Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or any of those other podcasting platforms and leave us a rating and a review. We've got a bonus that we're running for this month, a special bonus, that if you take a screenshot of that rating and review and you email it to eric at ericmpwiggs.com, you get entered into a special drawing where you can win a free copy of my book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. And then lastly, don't forget to share the show. That's right, share the show. Share this show with someone in your network who you know will benefit from the message. Again, I thank you for listening. And remember, don't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. So keep growing, keep growing, keep moving, keep moving. Oh.